0: Does God still do miracles? Is God still alive and on the throne and active in our lives? Hey, this is Don Damon, the Braveheart Mentor, and this is my podcast, The Bravehearted Woman. I'm here to raise the brave in you. So hit subscribe if you haven't done so. That way you'll never miss another episode. You ready? Let's get brave. Welcome, everybody, once again to The Bravehearted Woman. I am your host and Braveheart Mentor, Don Damon. Today, I have a really amazing treat for you now. And hey, y'all, if you're listening on audio, that's amazing. We're so glad that you're with us. But hop on over to YouTube channel, Don Damon, The Bravehearted Woman. I would love for you to join me over there. But what you're really looking at and what you're about to hear is a miracle, a living miracle. Does God still do miracles? Is God still alive and on the throne and active in our lives? Well, we're going to answer that question for you today. My guest today suffered what is called an intracerebral hemorrhagic, and she can pronounce it right, stroke at the age of 29, y'all. And then she developed epilepsy due to the stroke. It changed her entire life. Well, it's a miracle that she's even left with us on this earth. She felt called to share her story and her journey of faith, perseverance, grit, resilience, bravery. And now my guest, she says this, I believe God has a plan for each and every one of us, but it's up to you to choose. So even with her difficulties, she was able to go on with her life, be a wife, a mom. You're going to hear all about it today. Please welcome to the brave hearted woman. My guest today, Lori Vober. Oh.
1: Hi. Thank you. Thank you, Dawn. Thank you so much for the wonderful welcome. I so much appreciate that.
0: Well, we are looking forward to hearing your story because sometimes our listeners and just people in general, but certainly our midlife women, who is my audience, we think our life is over when we hit a certain age or we're not able to do something that we used to be able to do. Or maybe our children have left the nest and we're left wondering, what do we do? You didn't even have children. At the age of 29, you had similar feelings. Who am I? What do I do? What's my life all about?
1: Tell us a little bit about your story and why you were prompted to write your book. I appreciate that so much. And yes, I like you said at the beginning, it was I was age 29 when I had uh, my hemorrhagic stroke and it was caused by a malformation of blood vessels on the right side of my brain, uh, something that I was born with that just was never detected. And uh, my husband and I were trying to start our own biological family for about a year and a half at that time so as normal mid-20 couples we were on the same fast track both very career oriented and uh, God uh, definitely had different plans and uh, we were just shy of our fifth year wedding anniversary. Yes everything just changed. Uh, I had emergency brain surgery that night to stop the bleed. Woke up 17 days later from a drug-induced coma on life support and completely paralyzed on the left side. That journey in itself right there taught us so much. It taught us that in the blink of an eye, your whole life can change. And it also taught us that our plans are not our plans. And uh, so many people that are listening, some have faith, some don't have faith. Luckily, I did have a strong faith, although my faith journey has incredibly increased over the years. Uh, But, uh, uh, you know, it taught us in that moment that what we thought were our plans were not our plans at all. And God has an amazing purpose and plan for our lives but that's where the choice comes in. He leaves it up to us whether we're going to follow his plan or not. Actually just transitioned my career from the airline industry and customer support and sales to our church for the purpose of family planning. And I then realized that God purposely put me in a safe environment and changed my whole plan and my whole career really just to save my life and put me in a safe environment. And he has continued to do that. So I think it's when we are faced with tough challenges, and that's where the choice comes in. So many times we get stuck in our plans and we just have to look at the bigger picture.
0: Yes, well, you know, we just took a gigantic leap there too because we see the end of the story. We see the beautiful story of celebration. You have discovered that it didn't happen to you. It happened for you, I'm mm-hmm. sure. But bring us back. What yes. were the challenges? Because there had to have been some dark moments, some gloomy moments, maybe even a brush of anger with God. What was going through your mind at 29?
1: and now you're awake did you even know what happened to you bring us back into some of that sure sure um it definitely wasn't all rainbows and flowers definitely not i have to say some of the hardest parts were my lack of privacy and my lack of independence especially in the hospital i was in the hospital for two months and uh just trying to regain and we had to start from the beginning uh learning to swallow and talk and eat and learn to rebalance and sit up and eventually stand and then walk with assistance and when my when i was First, uh, I came out of the coma and life support, and I was in ICU, and then in the normal general hospital floor, both my parents and my husband could be with me at all times, but when I was transferred to the rehab floor, um, which thankfully, my rehab was in the same hospital as everything else. Many patients have to go to a separate rehab unit, so I'm thankful that it was at my actual hospital. I was alone, and that was really hard because in the middle of the night, I could not roll over at that point by myself. So it was either sit there all night being uncomfortable in that same position or hit the call button, ask a nurse to come roll me over. And I am a type people pleaser. That was a huge decision on my part of inconvenience that in my mind, I was inconveniencing someone, even that that, that was their job. In my mind, that was inconveniencing them. So I would rather sit there for the next 12 hours uncomfortable than inconvenience someone, even though that was their job. And then it was a whole modesty situation of I couldn't go to the bathroom them alone I couldn't take a shower alone I couldn't dress alone and so all of that privacy just goes out the door and so those were the things that were super hard and the good parts about it though were I like to exercise prior to the stroke and I think that's the aspect that God used to help me and protect me emotionally is he really helped me on the physical aspect to maintain a focus of if I could physically keep rehabbing, rehabbing keep trying to get better on a physical standpoint eventually. I would beat this. Now that was a fallacy because I'm 20 years post-stroke now. If you were to see me in person, you'd see I still have a disability. I still have a limp. My left arm and hand are still an active assist to my right, but I didn't know that at the time. So that I think protected me a lot emotionally, just to keep thinking if I could persevere physically, I'm gonna beat this. And so I think God uses things in our lives to help us. You just don't know at the time what the future's gonna hold.
0: Right. You just take one day at a time. I like the quote from Martin Luther King, where he said, junior, where he said, I don't need to see the whole staircase, just the next right step. Yes. I think, you know, when you're rehabbing or you have a huge mountain to scale, it could be overwhelming to look at the whole big picture, but just take the next right step. But that takes a lot of grit, Lori, to wake up each day and say, it's another day. And I don't know how long this journey is going to be. God's grace was made sufficient for you, I'm sure. and you felt his presence giving you that courage and that strength.
1: Very much so. And then, and you did mention the epilepsy. What happened is we took me off my anti-seizure medication because I was not experiencing any signs of seizures, which is apparently common for them to do. Unfortunately, I have become a very big patient advocate for myself since then. And I just didn't know at the time to be that big of a patient advocate. So now in my journey, I am very big, number one, into stroke awareness, to others. I'm also very big into patient advocacy to others because I've had to be on my own journey. And because when they took me off my seizure medication, unfortunately, the next day is when I started having uh, massive seizures. And it took years to get me on the right medication, stabilized again. Although I'm seizure-free now, it's always in the back of my mind, when's the next one going to happen? I always have to monitor my stamina, my fatigue, my stress levels. And so it's always going to be a part of my journey now. I have to say emotionally that epilepsy, was almost harder than the stroke because there was no control.
0: Right, so you feel really helpless and almost like, I don't know when that like next landmine is coming, but also did it steal from your independence? Are you able to
1: drive? I mean, what did that do to you long-term? Right, I can drive now, but yes, I do know. I mean, if another one happens, there goes the independence again because that is taken away. So that is a huge part. It's always in the back of your mind. So a lot of times uh, when we're faced with any medical challenges, so many times people look at you you and they don't think anything's wrong but so many times all the things that are happening on the inside of your body that affects the outside that's what people don't realize they don't realize even if you appear to be normal walking talking so many things affect what can happen and i know anything happens that would take away my independence that would take away my current journey that i'm on and so all these things have to be monitored and, and so that's why i am so passionate and uh, want to be uh, proactive to others that are going through tough medical challenges, because I do understand. You do. You've been there,
0: (laughs) there, done that, have the t-shirt, all of those things. (laughs) Also know that when you have chronic illness or long-term illness or recovery in this challenge, that often then biologically, it changes your brain and people do go into depression, Mm anxiety, and panic attacks. I know I had that as a survivor of post-traumatic stress from childhood trauma, sexual injury. Did you experience depression and anxiety? Did you grieve for the life you have lost? I
1: have I did go through a grieving period, I think, and it's been a process. And I don't think I recognized it as much as, as it's just been uh it didn't hit me all of a sudden, but I think it's been just a process. And I think one of the things that I had to really process was just the infertility, just the the way things panned out. And I've had a beautiful life. I've been able to go on and adopt three wonderful kids that blessed me with the opportunity to still be mom. Um, it, but it's been a journey of pure blessings and challenges. And the kids were older when we adopted. And that in itself brings on new challenges. And I say in my book that life rarely turns out as you picture it would. And that's true both in our medical journey and in our adoption journey. And so even in this past year, I think I've just now started really processing all that's happened. Um, God blessed me with two very important traits that I'll always be very thankful for. One's been perseverance and one's been positivity. And I think my stroke recovery has gone the way it has because of those. However, um, there's a fallacy. In that. And when you persevere as hard as I persevere, you also miss the processing, you miss the reflection. And you tend to not be as transparent and as vulnerable as you need to be. And I miss those steps. And so I've had to take a step back now and go back and rekindle those steps in order to be more healthy and heal.
0: I'm so glad you're telling us this, Lori. It's going to help so many people because mm-hmm. even as writers and authors and storytellers and you know, in our world, we want that happy ending. We love the the fact that, and I'm like you, I'm a type A. I love the title of your book, Choices, which we're going to talk about in a second. I'm all about the choices, all about the grit, all about the hard work, but you can't have a spiritual bypass and go from pain and tragedy to this. You've got to take the journey. I call it through the fire swamp. If you've ever seen the bride, there's no way out. We have to go through this. So thank you for sharing that. And I'm thinking also, you're a married woman at this time. Before Mm -hmm. we jump to the victory, part. Your husband is having his own battle. Has he shared with you? Tell us your husband's name. and What was his experience? Yes.
1: Yeah, so my husband's name is Danis and I say he is a wonderful man. You know, should I have our fifth year wedding anniversary? We just celebrated our 25th wedding anniversary last week. He's just a wonderful man. And we jokingly say at this point, we equally frustrate each other. And so, you know, we're like any other couple. We uh, laugh together, we fight together and uh, we have our challenges. But I am just so grateful that uh, he has stuck by me. And, you know, we say we're 25 years in and we're 25 plus to go. And we will hand in hand um, journey this life together till the very end. And I moved actually from Oklahoma to Minnesota for my job. Again, it goes back to my plans versus God's plans. I moved there for what I thought was my job. And God literally moved there for my godly mate. My husband actually grew up in a house with a mom who battled cancer. For most of his life. She passed away from hormonal cancer after a 16-year battle one month before we met. And so I say though that he's my godly mate because he actually grew up watching his dad take care of his mom almost his entire life. And so I really think he has taken care of me the way he has and has had the compassion and just the ability to take things in stride the way he has just because he innately grew up that way. He just knows it's just part of the journey. Saying no and giving up is not an option, and this is just what you do, and we are very much opposites in the fact that he's an introvert, I'm the extrovert, he's very content and very laid back, I'm very, let's go all the time, let's be part of every single group, never stop, never sleep, and so together we make a good team that way, and uh, so I think that's just uh, part of God's plan, but I'm very proactive in uh, marriages today, and like to speak proactively in keeping marriages together. Because I think so many times today in our world, people give up too easily for no reason. And I look at our journey and there's a million reasons why we could have given up. I mean, he's gone through job losses of uh, my medical journey in itself, the kids and the pressures and stresses we've gone through, through the adoption and the parenting has been phenomenal that we are together, but it's only through the grace of God and that we've had the commitment and the love uh, to continue. And uh, so I give him all the glory. I've got all the glory that he put us together and that he keeps our love strong. And part of it is you have to not only find things in common that you enjoy, but you always have to keep looking towards the future. You always have to have that goal of what are you going to do together in the future? And I think so many couples get so sworn into their families and their kids and what their kids are involved in that when their kids leave, they're left with nothing. We're actually first time empty nesters just now. I mean, we're so excited to be full circle and our lives are starting over again and we can't wait. But so many couples are at a loss at this point.
0: They are. I mean, that's the whole population of women that I love speaking to. And of course I am one, but midlife, you know, there's reinvention happens two ways. We have to reinvent who we are and navigate this new season. And we have to reinvent what people think midlife is all about because- we are not our grandmothers you know and people are living lots longer than they used to and so we have to stay young and on purpose and intentional about life so you guys have great great opportunities ahead of you tell us you're touching on with the kids you were not able to have children because of your medical condition and the epilepsy right. but God gave you three siblings that you yes. adopted tell us a little bit their names and a little bit about how that came to be
1: yes so uh, like I said we had been trying for about a year year and a half. And then because of my disability and uh, epilepsy, we made the decision to go uh, adoption when we decided to continue our family planning. So I was about eight years post-stroke, kind of decided, okay, we're at a crossroads. We can either continue the therapy or we can continue our family planning. And we had been very actively involved in the organization um, Compassion International since the day we were married. So um, our hearts were always towards children and our hearts had always been towards international. So that is actually why we picked international, just because that's our heart anyway. And because we live in Arizona, we targeted the Latino community. And because of my medical background, Colombia was one Latino community that was willing to accept us as adoptees. So that's kind of how it ended up going towards La- Colombia. My husband and I, interesting enough, are both only children. And so we had this wonderful idea of what siblings would be like. Now, you know, they say grass is always greener on the... The other side till you get to the other side. Right, right. Yeah. Well, now that we have siblings, it's totally not what I thought siblings would be like, but I didn't know that until I adopted siblings. And so we did adopt um, the kids. They were ages six, eight, and 10 when we adopted them. We adopted a son and two daughters. Their names were Juan, Ingrid, and Angie. And it's just been an amazing journey of both blessings and challenges. Uh, it didn't turn out um, nearly as uh, picture perfect as we thought it would, but that's life. In the end, honestly, we have supported, nurtured, loved, cared, and planted the seed of faith in each of them to our very best ability. They're all adults. Our son, Juan, will graduate from high school in two months. He's now living in his own apartment with a friend about to graduate from both a tech school with coding as an emphasis. Our daughter has graduated, and our other daughter actually has also graduated and is now a mom. At this point in life, you know, we kind of feel like we've done the very best we can, and we just want them to be the happiest, most successful, most responsible adults they can be living their best life. And it's up to them. We brought them out of not a great situation. We gave them the very best family situation we could. And as parents, you always look back and think, what could I have done differently? What could I have said differently? How could I have parented differently? But at the same time, we did the best we could. And just as my book was I was coming out last year, this time last year, I actually was pre-diagnosed with ovarian cancer my doctor found a cyst and I went in and I had a full hysterectomy and an appendectomy um, April of last year. Thankfully, it was benign, so I'm cancer-free, which I'm so thankful for. But what we found out through the hysterectomy was I, would be never, I was never able to conceive, which is why we were having trouble before the stroke, but we didn't know that. So that is so good anyway, because we could have kept trying. And even without the epilepsy and the disability, I w- we would have never been sick. Successful. And so these three children were meant to be. These were our children that God handpicked for us. So this whole year has been a lot of processing for me of just closure in that area. And that's just been so good for me. And so again, it goes back to our beginning of the conversation. And I would like to encourage others out there that if you've gone through a trauma, whether it's professional counseling, whether it's a mentor in your life, whether it's a life book you go through, take that time to process. And I've had a lot of good authors off- and speaker friends that have helped me through. And I think that's where I really had to take a step back and really, as I become an author and speaker, been encouraged that, you know, before I get on stage, I don't want to be the speaker that leads on stage because I'm not healthy. And I knew that before I could speak and help others, I needed to be the best, healthiest person I could be. And that's where you have to process your own hurts and your own pain before you can help others.
0: Good word. It's so true. You have have to process. And oftentimes we don't enjoy that process. We're afraid of it. I was talking to a woman today and she said, I'm afraid if I process, I'm going to fall into the black abyss. She yeah. said, pause. And then she said, it. and I know exactly what she's talking about. This gulf of emotions that I'll never recover from, but you're so exactly right that our healing is on the other side of processing it healing for real. We're not just putting a band-aid on it. We're not mostly healed, but we're really experiencing freedom and joy. And we're always going to be on this side of heaven. It's the human factor. We're always going to work in something. Mm -hmm. That leads us to the title of your book because you are right on, spot on. It comes back to
1: choices.
0: Yes. Tell us about your book. Yes.
1: So in 20 and 21, I really felt called to write my story. And I always thought I might write a book about my stroke journey. But this actually, once I started writing, became a totally different story. It's really our life story of all the challenges and blessings my husband and I have been through. My medical challenges, our life challenges, our moves, our adoption challenges, our parenting challenges, and really the challenges we've gone through and God's blessings through them all. I started actually in my college experiences and uh, the perseverances and traits of perseverance God gave me way back then. And what I also did is I put reflection questions at the end of each chapter because I didn't want it just to be my story. I really wanted the reader to take that opportunity to reflect on their own journey and have this opportunity to uh, develop their own story. And I'm so glad God gave me the opportunity to come up with the title Choices because I use that all the time and use it in my everyday life. Life is all about choices and we really have a choice of which direction we're going to go. And I think really, honestly, that's the struggle we all have is when we're faced with a tough challenge and we are all faced with challenges big and small. So many of them are unexpected. We have a choice of how we're going to react to our circumstances. That's where the choice comes in is what are we going to do with it and so many people get stuck. They get stuck at where they're at and what I'm passionate about and I'm so grateful and God gave me this passion and drive is to say that you have a challenge and you can't change your challenge but you can use it for a purpose and so I'm very passionate about using the challenges and experiences I've gone through to bring hope and encouragement to others to let others know you don't have have to be stuck in your challenges. Your new normal is going to look different, but you can still have hope, joy, and success in those. My book just won two awards at a Christian award ceremony, which I'm thrilled with, but it just goes along with the fact that life continues and it's just what you make of it. And I have learned so much from other authors and others around me. And we talked about this a little bit before, but I just really hope those listeners can hear this about the importance of being transparent and vulnerable because I am just now learning how important that is and I heard someone say to me recently that when you're not not only are you denying yourself that but you're denying other people the ability to bless you and I think in this society we look at vulnerability as weakness and so we tend to not ask for help because we don't want to be weak but if you will turn it around and you'll have the perspective of being a little more vulnerable and connecting with others and asking for help when you really need help think of it as that opportunity opportunity for someone to bless you, it just changes everything.
0: That's a great perspective. And I feel like what you're saying is so valuable, because again, we do view vulnerability as weakness, and we don't want to be the weakest link right. to get off the island, you know, right. do, especially if we're a type A kind of a person or like you said before, you know, you would rather spend 12 hours being uncomfortable than to put somebody out. Yes. And, and I think that is the way many of us feel that we're maybe raised by parents that, well, I won't get into all that, but many of us carry that. Like, I'll just, you know, take this and instead of finding our voice and you said it, this might be your new normal friends. I don't know what it is that has divided your life between before and after now and then, but we don't get to choose what comes to us always. We don't get to choose what happens to us always, but we do get to choose how we're going to respond to it. We do get to choose our attitude. And we do get to choose if we're going to come into acceptance with our new normal and embrace it and learn, how do I move forward from here? What is the path forward? Grieve it, feel it. Don't sidestep it. Don't try to anesthetize the pain. Don't find an outlet that is destructive for your life, eating, drinking, carousing, whatever. A lot of men sometimes listen to my podcast, pornography, women struggle with that as well, but really go right to the source. Takes an incredible amount of courage and bravery. You're doing it. You've done it. And I think we do it again in every season of life because we're dropped into a new environment. And yes, never whatever, ends, does it? And it's like, oh, I've never been here before. I've never been in this place before. You are a woman of faith. You've written an amazing book called Choices. What's your favorite scripture? Is this book filled with scripture? Talk to us
1: about what ministers to Lori. Yes. So the one scripture that I do use in this book was uh, Jeremiah 29 11 through 13, which I know is very popular. It's used. Uh, throughout, and uh, I did use it in this book. and it's it, so it, powerful! Yes, yes, your audience doesn't know it. It's a, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, and not to harm you. Plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you'll call on me and come to me and pray to me. I'll listen to you. You'll seek me and find me when you seek me with your whole heart. I do think that's extremely powerful and it says so much. And so that's the main verse of this particular book. I have other verses that have spoken to me last year, I really developed a word of of the year that became important to me. And I think that's important to have a word and a Bible verse to focus on, because I think it just helps you focus. Last year's word was purpose. And I used it based on Proverbs 19, 21, that says many are the plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I loved that because actually God gave that to me before my cancer diagnosis, even because I really thought I had it all figured out out. I was going to be a new author and a new speaker. And he said, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, that's again, your plans, not your purpose. We're going to go through a different journey. You just have to laugh sometimes and say, okay, God, yeah, I forgot you're in control. I'm not. But having that word in that verse just helps so much. That's and nice. uh, this year is gratitude. My verses is uh, with gratitude. I'm just so grateful for everything. It's uh, based on first Thessalonians and uh, rejoice always and be thankful for everything. And I use that all the time because I am truly so grateful for every opportunity that comes my way and we only have one life to live and it's to live it to your very best ability to serve him with your whole heart and give him everything you've got because we only we only have today you don't know what tomorrow is going to bring and so why not give thanks today make it your best day and don't borrow worry for tomorrow worry is going to come tomorrow so just keep going
0: keep going words to live by my guest today has been Lori vober her new book, Choices. When you're faced with a challenge, what choice will you make? Lori, tell us where they can find your book and where they can learn more about you. If you want to
1: have Lori as a speaker, where can they connect with you? Yes, I would love for you to connect with me on my website is at www.laurievober.com. You can find out all my contact information on there. I do have all my books on there, my journeys on there. I offer stroke resources, adoption. Resources. I also have a monthly newsletter. If you sign up for my monthly newsletter, I give you chapter one of my book as one of my free gifts. So I invite you to please jump on and do that. I also have my book available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble and walmart.com, but I do provide my own book as an opportunity with a signed copy directly from me. So I invite you to look at all those options.
0: And we'll make sure that we put all of those things in the notes for you as well. If you're listening or if you're on YouTube and you can just click on those links, Thanks. Lori, thank you so much for being vulnerable. Thank you for showing us what it looks like to be vulnerable and to yet still have joy and perseverance. And it's okay at times to say, I'm still in process. Good job. My sister, my friend, great to have you on. Thank you for being brave. Do you have one last word before we say goodbye? Oh, I just
1: want to thank you so much. I just want to encourage your listeners to um, hang in there. Remember to be true to yourself and don't get involved too much on uh, what other people think. Remember who your creator is and uh, what he meant for you to be. And remember just when you're in your hard challenges and you're in your hard, hard journey, there's still a purpose and a plan for you. So hang in there. Hang in there.
0: This is Don Damon, and I'm going to leave you like I always do. Brave-hearted women, is this your moment to find your brave
1: and live your patience?
0: For hanging out with me today and becoming brave. If this has helped you, be sure to share it with someone and subscribe so you never have to miss another episode. For more about me, my books, my coaching, or online courses, visit dawndamon.com. And as always, be brave and live your vision.